Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, as we read your word, may it speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit, come right now. Challenges, speak deep into our hearts where no man can speak. And Lord, we pray we'll leave here different today than the way we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Joe, for that. I want to talk today on and look at this scripture we've just read. It's quite a long piece of scripture, but if you don't know what may have not heard this scripture before or you you may have not read it for a while. This bit of scripture talks about when David, King David or at this time shepherd boy David is anointed in secret to be king. He is told by Samuel the prophet, Samuel arranges this little meeting and takes them off in some secret location And says, I want to anoint you David because you are going to be king. And we know at the time Saul was king. And for David this probably was a massive thing. He was only a young boy to receive this, uh, this kind of ceremony as it was. A private ceremony. And I want to encourage you because you might think, well we don't... I don't, I've never had a ceremony like this. This is, what does this relate to me? I'll tell you one thing, what David had that night, or this, this specific point. It was like a prophetic word to him. It was like a prophetic word that said, I know it's not happening now, but in private, I'm going to tell you what God is going to do for you in the future. This is a prophetic symbol. I'm anointing you now for something that's going to come in the future. But you're not living it out just yet. In other words, he was saying to David, it was like this. He was receiving, and many of you like this, you rece- you've received a call yesterday from God. And that's not, many of you say, well, I've not received any specific call. There's a high calling, but every one of us are called. Don't say, I'm not called, I'm not in ministry. Every one of you in this room, if you're a born-again Christian, have been called. The day you were saved, you were called into ministry. Yeah? Just because some people are doing full-time and they're paid, or part-time and they're paid, you are still in ministry. And at this time, David was called. He received yesterday's call, and he had a vision of tomorrow's crown. Yeah? But he was living in today. How many of you today are living in today and you're in between? You're living in a day which is, you know yesterday's call because you've heard someone speak over your life. You felt the promises of God in your life that say that you've got a call. You've got some things that are in your heart to do. In this word or whatever it is what God spoke to you, he showed, he showed you tomorrow's crown. But you have not got the crown yet. So you're living in today. And let me tell you, today is one of the hardest places to be sometimes. Because you enjoyed yesterday's call. You look forward to the crown. 
But unfortunately, you find yourself in the middle. I want to talk today about what it is to be in the today. In between, just like David who receives this private, let's call it a prophetic word. Prophetic symbolism, you're anointed. But he thought, well, Saul's still the king. Even Samuel, a man who would have been afraid at this point to do what he was doing because he was doing it in secret. Saul could have had him killed for doing this. But yet he still does it in secret. That is the conviction of God upon him. That he knew that he had to do this to declare David as the future king. Amazing. I want to tell you, there's many people, you say, I'm not like, I've not been called, I don't need to be anointed, I don't need this and some secret ceremony. You have been called, there's people in this room right now who've received words from people, or you've heard it in your heart, and you know now, in your heart, you believe God for this future destiny, what God has got for you. But you're in today. The crown is tomorrow. Young David, when he receives this word, it's years later until he receives the crown. Many years. He's a young boy, but he has to receive the crown later. I'll tell you what, he carried a prophetic word for a long time. Huh? He carried something God had promised to him for a long time, and he learned probably to keep his mouth closed. I want to ask you today, are you in that position where you feel God has shown things, desires in your heart to do things for tomorrow? He's shown you the crown. He spoke over your life and you're saying today, I'm finding it difficult. Today is harder than yesterday when I received this prophetic word. Oh, it was exciting. I loved it when the prophet or when God spoke to me and put things in my heart that I'd love to do for him. Now I'm finding it quite difficult. Because tomorrow never seems to come. How many know what it feels like to be in that place? Number one, this morning, I want to talk to you about what we can learn from this story of David for you in this situation, if that's you. Number one, we need to patiently wait for God's promises. You may have heard this many times, wait patiently for God. How many people have preached the message, wait patiently for him, and you're thinking, well, I am, but it's hard. I know what God's promised and I want it now. Verse 11 said this, Samuel said to Jesse, send for your youngest. He said, we will not sit down until he arrives. By now he's seen seven of Jesse's sons. He wants to see the eighth, he wants to see David. He says, listen to this, if you've never seen it. He says, we will not sit down until he arrives. Verse 12, so he sent for him and had him brought in and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. In other words, he says this, he says, send for David, this final one, number eight. Send for him, we want to see him. We're not going to sit down until he arrives. I bet these brothers were a bit, you know, a bit knocked off. We've got to stand now and wait. He's saying we can't even have a seat. I hope David's not far away. And they call David and he comes. But listen, as soon as he walks in, this handsome man, David, the next thing it says, the Lord says this at that moment. He says, rise and anoint him. I want to ask you the question. When God said rise, who was he speaking to? Because as far as I'm concerned, they were already stood. Samuel said, we're not sitting down. 
He says, keep stood up until he arrives. That is the, the heart of a prophet. Because the prophet knew already that they need to stand. He knew that they need to be ready for when it came in. Lord's word came. He said, rise and anoint him. Samuel was already risen. He was stood up. They knew that this was the man. And he knew that as, as David was brought in, this was the man who God was choosing. A prophet always knows in his heart. When God speaks, he knows what's coming. I believe he could probably see already in a vision. They all stood there waiting for him to come in and knew that this was it. He says, we're not going to sit down because I'm telling you what's going to happen. Patiently, we need to wait for God's promises. Shepherd boy David here receives this amazing prophetic word. He receives a word that says, you're going to be the king. I'm anointing you. You're going to be the king. Do you realize, I know you're just a shepherd boy, but I'm anointing you today because you're going to be a king. Some people here today have not just heard prophetic words in front of other people. But there's things that God has spoken to you privately about. This is a private place. It's a secret meeting. God's speaking to you, or he has done, in private about what he's going to do. David waited approximately about 15 years. 15 years for this prophecy, let's call it, if you know what I mean, to come to pass. He receives this thing. Young boy, I mean, to carry this at a young age. And to believe that God's going to fulfill what he says in his life. And he carries it for about 15 years until he rules over Judah. And that's roughly about another seven years till he rules over the whole kingdom. It's a long time. A long time for a young boy to receive some a promise from God. And then wait all this time and believe that he's going to get the crown one day. Some of us, we give up after 15 days, 15 minutes. We receive something in our hearts. Some of us today, we kind of drop the promises of God. We put them aside and we said, you know, I remember that meeting. I remember that time when God spoke to me and said, you're going to do this. Or he said, hang on in there. And I kept on hanging on. And today you've put these promises aside. In fact, it's almost like you've put them in the cupboard at home and come to church. And you're happy to settle for second best. The message today for you is this. Open the cupboard again and get it back out. Because God has not finished. His word never returns void. His His word will never return void. When I took over the church just over a year ago, in 2014, in 2005... I received a significant prophetic word from someone. And let me tell you, I always say this to people, don't run off prophecies. Don't live off prophecies. The best word you can receive of direction is from God himself. Read the word of God. Pray and say, God, show me. He will show you. You see, when I received a prophetic word in 2005... I already kind of knew in my heart because God was showing me. I knew something was going to happen and I didn't know what it was. That's the thing. 
But in 2005, someone comes and gives me a prophetic word, and they give it me. It's so significant, they recorded it, and they give me the recording. It happened right here in this church, over me and Emma. And it was about 10 minutes long, never stopped. And they gave me this word on a cassette. That's how long ago it was. I've converted to MP3 since. (laughs) But they gave me this cassette. And for many years, I would listen to it. The days I would listen to it is when I was discouraged. When it was my today in the in-between when I thought, God, I really believe you've got something for us, but I really don't know what this is. You said it. I'm hanging on in there. And sometimes I'd listen to it when I was discouraged. And then I'd have good days and I'd think, well, I'll, I don't need to worry about this. But then one day, and I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't ready at all. Peter said to me, I need to come round and see you. I thought, oh dear, I'm in trouble. (laughs) What have I done? And he came round to see me and I said, listen, I've had nothing to eat all day and I'm I'm really hungry. I'm going to get some fish and chips. I said, do you mind if I eat while you come? I said, do you want to eat with us? He says, no, I'm fine. I've had something to eat. So I got my fish and chips and he comes round and Peter sits in the lounge and I'm there eating my fish and chips on my own, listening to him. He says, Phil... He waited till I'd put my knife and fork down and finished my dinner. He says, I've been waiting till you finish that because I've got something to ask you. I said, what? He said, we need to tell you first we're about to leave the church. Boy, oh boy, I wish I'd never had the fish and chips. I sat there. I nearly sank in the seat. I thought, what? This is the first wave. Then he said to me, and we believe we want you guys to consider taking over the church. Now, I want to tell you something. When he asked me that question and he said this and I was choking on my fish and chips. When he said it to me, what happened is this. I knew the prophetic words I'd received. But all of a sudden, everything seemed to just flood through my mind. But all of a sudden, I didn't know what to say. But the Spirit of God inside of me said, yes. I knew that this was it. I knew it was. Physically on paper, nothing looked, how can this work? But I felt in my spirit, I never said yes verbally, but straight away. But I want to tell you, we waited from 2005, and even then when we found out what God wanted us to do, we were a bit scared. And I want to encourage you today, it's a long time from 2005 to 2014. It's a long time to wait. There were days I would ride in on my bike to my old job, my work, and I'd be riding in the freezing cold in the snow, and I'd be saying, God, I want to do more. I want to do more for you. Is this what, is this everything? And I'd feel God just keep saying, just hang on in there. And I'd be like, how long? How long? And I want to encourage you today. You have to be patient and to wait. Because God, what he has in store for you is unique and perfect and designed just for you. He knows the time, he knows the season, he knows everything. Isaiah 42 verse 9. The prophet Isaiah said, See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. For some people today, it's not necessarily springing into being yet. But he says, I've announced it and I'm announcing it to you before they come. Here he was talking about Jesus coming. You see, David, here, 
when he receives this word, when he receives this promise. I want to tell you something today. Hear me good now. Listen. He had to function as a shepherd with the heart of a king. He had to function for all of these years ahead as a shepherd boy with the heart of a king. He wasn't wearing the physical crown, but he had to function as a shepherd with this heart inside that says you're a king. And I want to encourage you today, some of us don't do this. We've received God's promises. We know what God wants to do in the future. And what happens is we give up and we think that while we're functioning as a shepherd, boys, that nothing's really happening. And you wait for God's fulfillment and we wait for the crown to come. And some of us today don't know what it, we don't realize that actually in the shepherd's pen, it looking after the sheep, there is an ability and God as his anointing upon you when you're there. Many of you think that you cannot have this anointing while you're in the shepherd's pen. You cannot have this. It's only when you receive the crown. But I want to say to you today, don't dismiss today's duties I've put here for the sake of tomorrow's destiny. Don't dismiss today's duties for the sake of tomorrow's destiny. Because tomorrow's destiny, all part of it was that David in the shepherd pen, in this place where he was looking after the sheep, and he was fighting off lions and bears. All the time he was doing this, he was being prepared, ready for what God was going to do in his life. He didn't dismiss the duties. He didn't say, oh, I'm just going to go back and sit and chill out in the tent, in the nice little Bedouin tent. And I'm not going to bother doing this because I know that I was in a secret meeting with Samuel. And he told me, you're going to be king. So I'm not going to bother doing this because I shouldn't be fighting off lions and bears. I should be on the front line with my brothers battling. I should be doing what they're doing. But no, strangely enough, he carries on doing what he's doing. And that is something I want to encourage you today. In your patience, you need to carry on doing what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with carrying on doing what you're doing. Because God knows he's going to change things. If he has ordained something, he will change it in his time. You see, fending off those bears and those lions. How many of you know later on in the story, when Goliath is coming and challenging his brothers on the front line and Saul. Young David comes along, doesn't he? And he says, do you know what? He didn't force his way in. He says, do you know what? I know everyone's a little bit scared, including Saul. He saw all this. He said, do you know what? I've had some practice, guys. I've been out and I've been fending off bears and lions and I've held the jaws of a lion. And God rescued me every time. And he knew that all of a sudden he probably thought, do you know what? I'm so glad I carried on in the pen. Because today God is going to glorify me through what's about what's going to happen. He's going to let me see victory for God's people. How amazing is that when the army stood there before them. That David, only the training he had was doing the normal duties. 
You're saying, no, I need some special training. I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. No, carry on doing what you're doing because what you're doing will be preparing you. There's things in my job that I used to do. Now I realize in my last job that I'm bringing to the table now in this role. That God has reminded me saying, you know when you did that that time? I was training you ready for this. I didn't get that at Bible college. You see, David, he sat under the service of Saul, didn't he? For a time. And he learnt from Saul. And he was the armor bearer and he learnt in that position. And I want to encourage you today, in your patience, make sure you don't dismiss the duties of today for the sake of your destiny tomorrow. Because you don't think it fits in with the deal. You think you need specific things that are catered to you. I want to tell you, God has something great in store for you. Amen. Looking at Habakkuk, the prophet. Habakkuk 2, verse 1 to 3. I just want to read this. It should come up on the screen. He says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. He's talking about God. And what answer I'm to give to this complaint. The Lord's answer, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. God's timing's perfect. He's never late. He always feels a bit slower than what you do it. Yeah? But when he shows you something, you see Habakkuk says here, right at the beginning he says, I stand at my watch on the ramparts. In other words, he carried on his normal duties, waiting. He carried on, stood at the fortress, waiting. He said, I'm waiting for the answer from the Lord. But he carried on doing his normal duties, just as David did. I want to tell you, it's on its way. It's on its way. You have to wait. You know, when I was younger, one of my biggest problems was I always wanted my birthday money before my birthday. I was just, my, if you ask my mum, my mum would tell you a lot of things. But my mum used to say, she said it to him, she said, when Phil were younger, he used to come to me about six months in advance and say, it's not far to my birthday. Is it possible I could have my money now because I've seen something I want now and then I'm happy to just not have anything on the day. And so many of us want we want the, the gift before the appointed time. Just this morning before we came out, uh, the kids said to me, we were just sat having breakfast and they put the TV on, they put YouTube on. And this is the kind of things kids watch these days. My son says to me this, he said, Dad, I said, I'll put your film on if you want to watch a film while you have your breakfast, you know, cartoon. He said, no, can you put YouTube on? Can you search for Kinder Surprise? I'm like, what? He says, search for Kinder Surprise. I said, why do you want to watch Kinder Surprise? What's this? He said, I like to watch this video clip showing people opening loads and loads of Kinder Eggs. And I watch this thing. I'm sat watching, eating my breakfast, listening to this tune playing in the background while there's a man opening, filming himself, opening about 50 Kinder Eggs. I thought, is this what the world's come to? And my son likes to watch this. And I said, why, why do you like this? He said, well, you know, you can see all the toys. You can see everything. 
And I thought, and, and many of you know, you buy a Kinder Egg, you keep going and buying the, the same toy every time. So it's more enjoyable for him to watch someone else open every one of them so he can see the toys. And he says, he says, he says I'd like to have all those in the future. I, I can see what's in them. And so many of us, like him, their eyes delight as they looked at this program and they're watching this man open up these Kinder Eggs and these surprises and they hope that they're going to get the Kinder Egg too. The same one with a toy, not just keep getting the same one. So many are like that. We want to see inside. We want to get there quick. We want the surprise now. But it has to wait an appointed time. Isaiah 55. God says this, I don't think in the message the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. In other words, just stop trying to work it out yourself. His ways are higher than our ways. He sees, as Jaron said earlier, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He fears the Alpha and the Omega. He knows your life right now. All the days ordained for you were written in his book. So he knows when you're patient. He knows what's coming. Number two today, I want to say this. There is power in the process. Now many of us think like this. We think when we receive a word or we know that God's got something special coming for us. If we're living in today, if we're living in today where it doesn't feel like the the time when we receive the word or we receive that special thing from God and we're looking at the crown for tomorrow. Many of us think that in this time of doing the mundane, the mundane work and the normal duties that we shouldn't dismiss, many of us sometimes, and the enemy will come to say this, is that you have no power in this time. You'll only get the power, you, fe- you felt it when you received God or God spoke to you, but when you get the crown, you'll get the power. Let me tell you this, David was anointed with oil and from that day he receives power. Did you hear this? In private he receives a word, he says you're going to be crowned king. (coughs) You're going to be crowned king. But today as the oil was put upon him, he received power from that moment. So all the years he had to wait in this process of time. He had just as much power from God as he had when he got the physical crown. And I want to tell you today that the enemy will come and tell you in this in-between bit when you're getting up on Monday morning and you're doing your job and you're doing the normal stuff and you're saying, God, I just cannot wait till I'm doing the things for you. Do you know that there's just as much power running through you? If you believe it, he has ordained you. He has called you in this, in this life. To be a servant for him. And just as he called David, he anointed him. And from that day, his spirit was upon him. Hallelujah. His spirit is upon you in the same power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. And I want to tell you there is power in the process. It's important to know this, that God... God will empower you before he crowns you. He doesn't want to just dish the crown to you. 
So many of us, are, and that's the title of my message, by the way, Chasing the Crown. He doesn't want us to chase the crown all the time. And so many of us are like this. We look at the crown of ministry. We look at the crown of doing things for God. We look at the crown of all these things as the thing that's got the power. Let me tell you, he has no power in the crown because God empowers you by his spirit. I'll tell you the most important thing that David got on his head that day in that private room. And it was the oil. It was the anointing. It wasn't the physical metal going onto his head. It wasn't a crown. The crown symbolizes the authority of empowerment. And I want to tell you today, there's people sitting here who you haven't got a crown on your head because you're saying, I'm waiting for it. And the danger is this, that you chase the crown. When God's saying, I just want you to know that you're empowered. Live in that empowerment. Live in that knowledge that you're empowered for this. Don't chase the crown. The enemy wants you to believe that you need the crown to get the power. He wants you to believe that if you have a crown in life... Your crown in ministry, that's where you'll start getting God using you and doing things through you. But I'm telling you now, when I told you the story earlier about seeing the leg grow on the street, yeah, I might be a minister and I prayed and commander for this, but I'm telling you now, there's not one person in that group who was there that evening who couldn't have done the same thing. I tell people all the time, I say, God has empowered you. He's empowered you. Live in his empowerment and you'll see. The more you step out and live his empowerment, he'll crown you. The enemy wants you to believe that this crown of your ministry in the future, this thing that you're waiting for is going to be the thing that once you get it, then I'll start operating. I'll start doing things for God. I'll start seeing his spirit work through me more. No. Some of us need to do this. I used to come to, to, to meetings many years ago when Peter was here and we used to, before a meeting started and we used to pray a lot of the time. We said, Lord, anoint us today. Oh, Jesus, anoint us for today. Do you know what? We changed the prayer so many years later. We said, Lord, we know we're anointed. We don't need to pray and ask you to anoint us. We are anointed. We used to pray all the time here together as a worship team. Oh, Jesus, please anoint us for today. That Lord, you'll help us to do what we need to do to bring the people into. No. Jesus spoke a word into us and said, stop praying that prayer. You're anointed. Act like you're anointed. Stop asking to be anointed. And there's so many people, I don't know if you meet them, super spiritual Christians, and you think, oh, if if only I had that anointing that they have. If only I had this special anointing that this amazing person has on the stage. Let me tell you, there's no difference in anointing. You see, God has given me an office of what I'm doing now, but I'll tell you, my anointing is no different. It's the presence of Jesus. Simple. His spirit is inside of you. End of. There's no more to it than that. The enemy wants you to believe in looking at people on pedestals, saying they have got a crown, so they've got a little bit more power running through them than me. No, it's wrong. You see, when I began to... Before I came into doing the job I'm doing here now and taking over the church, one of the things, and you remember me saying this once, Peter once said to me, he says, you need to start pushing yourself in the prophetic. So I started to push myself, and I started to do it in my workplace. I started to prophesy over people in the work. 
and start to see God move instead of being in the meeting all the time doing it. I thought, what is this all about? We're just all getting together, a bunch of Christians every week, prophesying over each other and seeing God move. But what about the people? So I started to do it in my workplace. This is before I even took the role. Because Peter said to me, you've got to start pushing the gift. So I did. The more I did that, the more it trained me ready for what I'm doing now. And I want to tell you, you need to start pushing. Some, there's so many gifts in this room. Spiritual gifts, physical gifts. And I want to tell you, just push them. Paul's charge to Timothy was to fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit. I want to encourage you today. There are gifts in you and you need to push them. Don't wait for a crown before you do it. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today as well. That in that time when he was in the she- he was looking after the sheep. And later on in the story, we didn't read it, but Goliath is challenging the armies. Just think for a moment what David would have thought when he thought about his brothers on the front line. Fighting and doing the kind of spectacular stuff. They got the weapons, although they're a bit fearful, but they're on the front line. He's there tending the sheep. Do you not think he thought for one moment, why is it that I'm here? All them brothers heard the prophecy. All them brothers heard that I'm supposed to be king. And there's so many of us, some in this room, we, in this time of in-between stage, we think people have heard words over me. Why is it that no one seemed to be looking anymore at me? Why has everyone ignored me? Why is it I'm still doing what I'm doing and they're all fighting out there and doing these great spectacular things for God? It's like the prophecy never happened. They know it. In fact, they had to stand and wait for me to arrive for a long time. And I want to tell you today that there's some people around you, they've heard God speak over your life. They've heard prophetic words. And you're saying to yourself, just like David would have with his brothers, you're saying, people have heard stuff. They they don't seem to be getting this. They don't seem to understand. Did they remember what happened years ago? But David still does what he's doing. He still carries on doing the mundane tasks. He still carries on doing these things, even though he knows that his brothers are there. But God in his time brought him before his brothers and went for him to face Goliath. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. His power is in you to fulfill his purpose. Even now, on today, even now, he is in you and working through you to fulfill your destiny and your purpose for tomorrow. Hallelujah. I just want us to look. We've looked at David, but let's just look at Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 27, verse 27. It says, the governors, the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe upon him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns. And set it upon his head. They put a staff in his right hand. And they knelt in front of him and mocked him. 
Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. We said it earlier, didn't we? This is what Jesus did for us. Jesus, he knew when he came to earth that he would be the king of all kings. He knew that he would be the ultimate king, the savior of the world, your king and your savior. But right then and there when he's in this praetorium, this public place, and they put this crown of thorns and press it into his head, they beat him. And we know that they asked him, they said, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate said it to him. He says, so it is as you say. You see, Jesus, he knew that the word of God had been spoken, that he would be the king of all kings. But yet he was about to take the crown of thorns. That is not a crown that you would want. He felt weak. And humiliated in front of these people as they beat him with sticks on his head. But do you know what he did all that time? As they pressed in that crown of thorns upon his head. As they beat him with the sticks. He held on to his father's promise. He held on to his father's promise and said, son... I know it seems odd, you're in this time of weakness, you're in this time where they're putting a crown on you, a crown of thorns, and you look like there's no hope, there is no crown of glory. But I'm telling you, if you carry on doing this and you take it to the fulfillment, you will receive the crown of life. You will receive the crown of life that will bring life to many. And as he took those beatings upon his head, it says they hit him many times. They put this crown of thorns on. And his blood flowed from him. Let me tell you what was happening then. He must have been having communion with the Father saying, what is this about, Lord? What is this about? I thought I was coming here really to get a crown for people. But look at what's happening. And he held on to the Father's promise. Hebrews 2 verse 9 says, Jesus suffered death for us. He is now crowned with glory and honor. Amen. Hallelujah. He is now crowned with glory and honor. Finally today, my final point is this, that let your passion be God's purpose. Let your passion be God's purpose. When you're living in the today and you get a little bit wound up because things are not happening so quickly. Because you don't see the fulfillment of all the promises God has. The tendency is for your passions to have a little bit of a detour. detour, And they don't line up anymore with God's promises. The original promise he gave to David. He gave him a promise. He knew what was coming. And for you sometimes your passions can deviate away. The empowering of God's spirit upon David at that moment. It brought him to this place, this journey. It took him through this journey to the place where he was at. He eventually became king. Amen. We know this end of the story becomes king. And he takes this crown publicly. I believe though that he knew that the journey he'd been on was far more 
the crowning part of his life than receiving the crown in fulfillment. And I want to tell you today, don't chase crowns that are not the purposes of God. Don't let your passions for chasing certain crowns be the thing that is not the purpose of God. Because God had designed a crown for David. And on that journey in those 15 to 20 years maybe, he could have easily deviated and thought, do you know what? I don't know if, I think this is the crown I need to chase. But he didn't. He kept on going because he wanted his passion. How, what did he say about David? He says, David had a heart after God. His heart was after God. And that's where we need to be today. Our hearts need to be after God. His passions in line. Our passions in line with his purpose. Second Peter, verse 1. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 to 5 says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us every great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He has given you his divine power. In order to fulfill his purpose. His divine power is everything you need. To fulfill the purpose of God in your life. In this interim time. To get from the call to the crown. To get from yesterday's call to the crown that God has designed for you. You have all you need. You don't need anything else other than his spirit. And that's what David received that day. He didn't just receive a meeting, secret meeting with Samuel that said, by the way, just let, to let you know, you know, in the future you're going to be king. On your way, don't tell anyone. He gets the oil and he anoints him. He anoints him. And the Holy Spirit has anointed you. And you have everything you need. All the divine power in the in-between stages to take you to the thing that God has designed for you. The very crown he's designed. So I want to say this morning. Live like you have a crown. Live like you have a crown. Don't chase the crown. Live like you have a crown just like David did. Live like you already have the purposes of God moving through your life. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes the crown or the ministry or the even things that are in our lives that are not ministry, the things that are crowns that we can chase, the one thing that they do is take your eyes off Jesus. They take your eyes off the one who has called you. They will take your eyes off the one who's called you. There's so many things, even in my life, that could have deviated and took me away from the crown that God intended for me. There were many times in the past that the enemy tried to seek, kill and destroy my life. Not many people know this, but many years ago, before I came to Kim's, I used to be involved in drugs and did many things that I regret today. 
And so many times I used to look at certain things in people's lives and look up to them. I used to look at people and put people in a place where I thought, this is what I want out of life. And all the time I was being robbed. Every single week I would earn my money, I would go to the drug dealer's house. And spend it all to get drugs and sit in cars all week, taking drugs. I used to do this sat in the car with a very famous now evangelist. God's amazing, isn't he? Because he, he says, no, I don't want you to have this kind of life. And that person I'm talking about, when he changed, I thought, how if God can change him and take his eyes off this kind of crown, surely he can do it for us. Because I knew that his passions were in this kind of lifestyle. And God changed him. And he used to say to me, this guy I'm talking about used to say, Phil, you know the truth. You know what God's got in store for you. You know that you have a future in God. You need to get back to him. And I used to think, is this true? And now I'm so glad I was deviated from what I thought was an amazing thing. An amazing crown to have in life. That I found God's crown. His purposes. His will. And I'm telling you now, he's got it all for you. Do not walk away from him. Never walk away from his promises. See, people get so et up on being the big I am and being the, the one they want to get the crown now. You know, disciples in Jesus' time, they said this to him, said, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They walked around with Jesus and do you know what that question were is? They didn't say, how did you heal this person? What did you do? You know, they said to him, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In other words, who's going to get the biggest mansion? Who's got the biggest, who's going to be the, who's going to be your best friend, Jesus? Who's the best person? Who do you like the best? Is it me? They wanted fame. They wanted to know who was going to be the famous one. They wanted to know whether they would be the ones closest to Jesus. Who's the best in the kingdom of heaven? We know that Jesus did not want them to see the kingdom in this way. In fact, Jesus, just before he dies, the very thing he does is he washes the feet of the disciples. He takes himself low. He says, this is what the kingdom's about. This is what the kingdom's about. Not looking like the big person, but getting down on your knees and washing someone's feet. The dirtiest thing. I know Emma doesn't like feet. She's not got a problem with your feet, but... She just doesn't like feet, apparently. Uh, you don't like feet and she doesn't like pigeons. And she doesn't like lifts either. That's a strange combination. So she always says to me, the last thing I'd want is to be stuck in a lift with a pigeon with someone's foot in my face. <laughs> I, I'm trying to organize it. I'd love to see the reaction. But you know, God today wants you to see the crown for what it really is. Don't chase the wrong crowns. Don't chase the wrong thing. Our passion should be God first. We must always remember this. Let me tell you this. I've been talking a lot about the crowns of ministry and all the things that you can do. That you can chase after. And some of us, we have to hold on to the promises of God. 
We have to hold on to what God's going to do. But let me tell you this. The, the best crown that you can always look to is the one that is salvation. The one that Jesus has bought the price. He's paid the price for you. It's the best one you can ever want. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says this. Paul says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? He's talking about in a, in a kind of athlete's race. He says, do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one of those runners will get the prize? He says this, run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, run always with the anointing of God on you, with the Holy Spirit. Everyone, verse 25, who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But listen to this, but we do it. To get a crown that will last forever and will never fade away. Amen? Amen. In other words, he says, the people who run in the race, race for the crown. Only one person, unfortunately, is going to get the prize. They're all training for this one thing. For a crown, for the fame. But he says, there's only one person who's going to get the prize. But he says, in this case, for us, we all run knowing we've all got a crown and everyone's a winner. I nearly broke out into song then. Everybody is a winner when you have the crown that never fades away. And I want to encourage you today, the best crown is not crowns of ministry and duties and all these things that can fill your mind as you just chase these things all your life. You spend your Christian walk chasing crowns of duty and ministry. These things are good. But remember, chase after the one who saved you. And on the day when he gives you the crown, I'm telling you now, on that day, all these things, all the menial things of ministry and church are going to mean nothing anymore. You think that we're going to get there on the day and it's going to be like the fame of the disciples say, you know, who's going to be famous? Do you know what? It's all going to be equal. On that day, when you walk into his place, in that holy place in heaven or whatever it looks like for you, whenever you see him, when we're all there together rejoicing and worshipping God together, there's going to be no uh, person who's better at worship leading than another. There's going to be no preacher who's better than another. There's going to be not one person who's any different because everyone's equal. Live like it now. That's what the church should look like now. Equal in unity. And I'm telling you now, don't hold on to these. The enemy uses all these things for crowns and positions to get you to think this is what it's all about, the church. And it's not. It's a lie from the enemy. Because the, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus who bought that crown for you of salvation. Hallelujah. If the worship team could be ready. You see, I always find this bit of scripture I'm going to read to you in Ecclesiastes. It's a bit depressing when you read 
when he's talking about the wisdom and discovering life, Solomon. In Ecclesiastes 2, verse 10 to 11, he says this. This is the man who asked God for wisdom. He asked God to show him wisdom and what life's all about, you know. You know, what is this all about, Lord? Ecclesiastes 2, verse 10 to 11, he says, Solomon said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Verse 11. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. There's one day when we're all going to die. It's appointed to every man to die and every woman. And that day, you can't take anything with you. It's all meaningless then. Everything that's done under the sun, your toil, your labor, not just work. All of your things that have consumed you in church, duties, doing everything for God, chasing after positions, doing this, doing that, waiting for God's call, fulfillments, promises. One day, when you see him face to face, to receive the crown that never fades away, That is the breast crown that you can want. Because any other thing that you've chased will be meaningless. Right now we know in part, but one day we'll fully know. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.